If you're ready to lose weight, it's time to stop dieting and let Noom put psychology to work. Unlike restrictive crash diets, detox cleanses, or any of the other questionable weight loss fads on the market, Noom's award-winning program helps you form sustainable habits that last. With Noom, no food group is off limits, and there's no complicated calorie counting either. Instead, Noom's cognitive behavioral approach helps you better understand and manage your relationship with food, one meal at a time. Whether your goal is to feel more energized, boost your mood, or finally lose those five pounds for good this time, Noom gives you the tools to make it happen. It takes just 10 minutes a day. And because Noom is tailored to your goals and based on leading evidence-based psychology and nutrition science, you always get the expert guidance and support you need to make lasting progress. Start building healthy habits today. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com balance. That's N-O-O-M dot balance. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the High Roller Blackjack Scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, boys and girls, good to have you back. I got a special guest, my friend, someone I admire professionally and personally, Thomas Dimitrov. He's with me today to talk about the Matt Ryan contract setting a new standard in the NFL. I always have agents talk about how great a job they did on these contracts, and that would certainly be the case, I'm sure, if Tom Condon came on, but he's been on about Matt Stafford and, and Sam Bradford, other contracts. But I want to hear from the team side. So Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager of the Falcons, is with me today. But more importantly, Thomas, tell me about your fitness. You just did a century ride, did you, last week? We, we just did a century. I was uh, helping to co-chair a, an event for Grady Hospital, one of our main hospitals here in town. It was a great event. It was our inaugural event. We ended up pulling 1,000 thousand riders, which is great. And I'm really excited about it, emerging into something really big in the years to come. Uh, long story short, however, it was coming off of a really long draft preparation and then a, and a, you know, substantial negotiation with Matt Ryan and his represent, you know, representatives. And uh, suffice it to say, I had little, little, uh, uh, mileage in my legs. And I was thinking, how in the heck am I going to get on my bike and ride a hundred miles? Well, the day before we did a VIP event up here in Flowery Branch and we all rode just close to 50 miles. And then, we turned around the next day and I had to do this 100-mile ride. So what I learned very quickly, and I know it well, but it reminded me to get in that Peloton, get right in the, you know, maybe the mm-hmm. third or fourth row and tuck in there and, and, and just mash. And I, <laughs> it, it's funny. It was great. I had a great time. It was, you know, it was a, we probably pulled in that 100-mile ride right around four hours and 55 minutes, which is a big, that's a strong pace. It's a 21, 22 oh, pace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know that it was strong. Well, here, here's what was really interesting. I, I will admit it on, on, on all of this, uh, this coverage that you have here that we call it the hand of God. Every once in a while, that, that five second hand hits you on the lower back, right? When you're riding in the Peloton with all these like big time riders and, and I'm just smiling and they're like, uh, I had a couple ex pros there and like Thomas, you don't smile when you get the hand of God. You just pretend like it's not even affecting you. You keep moving. Uh, long and short of it, we had a great ride, a great turnout, and I was just happy to jumpstart myself back into the fitness level that I'm, I'm hoping to be in for the rest of the summer and into the fall. Yeah, you talked about not getting a lot of miles in, and you asked me before we came on about my uh, 
my workout this morning. I did a tempo run today. For people that don't know, that's kind of going as hard or pretty much as hard as you can for about 20 minutes. And I was kind of cooked after two miles. I can do two miles on a tempo run in about a little under 14. Uh, so I had to <laughs> had to walk a little bit to finish out the 20 minutes. But, you know, the uh, the mileage, you know, you and I have talked about sort of work-life balance. You and you just said you came off draft prep and Matt's contracts, kind of the bigger issues for front offices right in your wheelhouse this past few weeks. How have you been able to keep the work-life balance and, and especially the fitness level? Well, that was that's been interesting, and I, I can look all the way back to the the Super Bowl year when we came up short. So you're really digging after a season like that, mm-hmm. right? And then you go through all of last season. Uh, to where we got to, it feels like it really hasn't stopped. Now, teams like, interestingly enough, like the Patriots, they're used to doing it that way, right? right. I think teams who get in and, and, and you know, they're, they're plugging away hard and they're really focused. Uh, and, you know, and, and Dan Quinn is awesome. He's really high, high energy and very focused. So there's not a whole bunch of stopping in this building. So I think it's really important for me to remind all of the football ops people outside of the coaching staff and the players when, you know, they're starting to kick up their practices right now. I'm trying to make sure that everyone like Nick Polk, who, you know, and Scott Pioli and a number of other people within our organization, you you all need to take some deep breaths as I do. And I, you know, I really believe this, that I need to set the tone that way. I, if I'm maniacally moving around the building, trying to, to, to land the, the, you know, 87th player on the roster as a general manager, uh, I don't think that's the, the smart leadership. So I've, I've thought a lot about it, quite honestly. Every year that I'm involved with this and at this level, I'm, I'm, I think about it, and I'm, and I'm going into my 11th season now. This was my 11th draft in this seat. And sometimes I, I you know, kind of shake myself a little bit, wonder, like, wow, it's, it's one of those things that is so important to keep balance. And, and uh, a recent uh, addition to our staff here was who, who comes from West Point, who I'm hiring uh, in the in the relatively near future to help with a lot of different strategic initiatives. He's reminded me and introduced a new word into my, my sort of uh, balance um, uh, vocabulary, and it's, and it's rhythm. Mm. And I think the, the balance and the rhythm with my life and the rhythm with, within the organization is going to set a really good tone so that we're operating at high, high energy when we need to, but also have the rhythm of coming down and settling in the, in the right spots where it's not being perceived as just, you know, you know, just uh, wasting time and, and not being gritty and, and work ethic driven. Yeah. And so much of the NFL, as I know, you know, that there seems to be this kind of maniacal, we've got to watch more film than the other guys. We've got to work harder than the other guys. And, you know, there aren't a lot of you and I and sort of the Tony Dungy mentality of, of balance and you're not going to get an edge missing out on sleep and fitness and nutrition and diet. But maybe that is coming around. You know, it's been a while since I was in the league and obviously you're a shining example of it. Do you sense that at all? Oh, you know, Andrew, I think if, if you were to venture back into the league, I think you would be in a really positive, happy spot from that standpoint, because Mm. I've been looking at it for many, many years and and I've, I've known that I was, um, and I say this humbly, uh, uh, anon- uh, anomalous in the sense of there were mm-hmm. a lot of people that were interested in it, but either they did it underneath the covers, so to speak, like they were doing things that they didn't want people to know about, i.e. fitness, and they would 
step out and they would come back and feel guilty about coming back into their office after having showered at, you know, one thirty in the afternoon or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in like, look, we all get our workouts done when we get them done. You know, everyone needs to know what the priorities are during a week or during a day. That's important, but we have to have the freedom to be able to, to operate along our schedules for the most part. So I think it's great. I think Dan Quinn sends a really, sends a really good and sets a really good example for our coaching staff and our players. And I think this building in general is, has a really good understanding. We have a great cafe downstairs. People can juice every day, every hour of the day if they want to. They don't have to eat crappy food. Right. And we, we're very, very mindful, I think. So I think if you went back into most organizations, you would realize there is such a cognizance of fitness and eating well, much more than there ever used to be. Honestly, we used to say when we'd bring those young guys in, Andrew, we'd say, I don't know if these guys are going to have the palate to eat you know, <laughs> baked fish. And we're thinking... All it would be was fried stuff and big right. hamburgers, and that's completely changed. It is. I love seeing it. I love seeing the evolution of this league. I do too. It's great to hear. You know, there was one spot in Green Bay. We didn't get that food at the facility at Lambeau, but there was one spot uh, called the Urban Frog downtown Green Bay. Yes, there is a downtown Green Bay. Um, and I go there every lunch, and me, I think Aaron Rodgers, and a few other guys. Kept that place in business, and I was so bummed to find out uh, that was not enough. They closed a couple years ago, but it's coming around most places, as you said. Can you give us, uh, listeners, an insight into your schedule? Because I would think, like me, you're kind of a creature of routine. So I am. What is your morning like? What is your morning? What is your your fitness like? Do you always try to get it in before work? Take us through a, a typical day in the life. Yeah, you know, I, it, it, it honestly depends on the time of season, of course. And I've, I've uh, like you probably, even though I am a, am a creature of, of routine and habit, um, I, I'm always dabbling to try to see and adapt to see where things are a little bit better for me, especially as I age in this business. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I turned 51 uh, a few months ago and I'm thinking, my God, that's just amazing how that's flown by. Yeah. And I realize how important it is, as you do, like, you know, so there are certain days that I will get up very early. It could be five, five fifteen, and mm-hmm. ride. You know, do a really good hour and a half ride around my neighborhood. I'll throw on the light system, and you know, it's it's. I know some people think it's not safe, but quite honestly, in Atlanta, given the traffic, it's probably one of the peaceful, most peaceful times and the safest times because I would think, yeah. you can get out on the roads and you're you know you can spin out really well. So I'll do that. I have a, a heavy bag set up at home with a really cool sort of uh, like karate studio for my son and. I'll do a little bit of bag work and I'm, I'm a, I'm a real lately. I've been a real push-up person. Like I love hmm. the push-ups. We had, we had the Navy SEAL people that we have in here regularly come in and I, they started uh, pontificating about the importance of push-ups and body weight workouts. And, and it's funny guys like you and I will look at all those big burly guys sometimes <laughs> here. And when we were younger, we used to idolize them thinking, man, if I could only be that big. And now we all want to be 165, 75 or 85 and kind of ripped up and doing body weight workout. You right. see some of these big guys and they're struggling. And I'm, <laughs> um, I, I like that I'm actually thriving in that area. So I've been spending a lot more time doing a lot of different uh, routines with that. And then some, some uh, pull-ups and, and chin-ups, those are challenging as you know, but I mean, keeping the body weight thing is very important to me. And then I will come in and, you know, I'll do, start my work a day. It depends on where I am again during the season. But I'll be very, very, very diligent during, you know, most of all the way through to maybe one o'clock. And honestly, again, I'll need to get something in, whether that's going down on a tread, 
or getting on some stairmaster action, uh, or even you know sometimes taking you know the multi walks around our 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 facility here, which is is big and and it gives us some some good chances to get outside and just to keep keep, keep myself going is really important. Another thing that very quickly that I've been dabbling and I used to do this and and I know some people I I really believe nutrition is is very mm-hmm. personal right along with my fitness program. Lately, I've really dug back into where I was many years ago on regular fasting. And I say fasting, not with my body type, it's really difficult to fast for Mm -hmm. five and six days, right? I'll fall off the edge. But what I've always found really good for me is on on a Sunday night will be my last meal. And then I won't eat until Monday night at dinner time. So Mm. it gives me a nice stretch of you know, sort of putting, you know, taking a little bit of stress off my eliminative organs and making sure that I feel like I'm right. flushing. So I'll drink organic teas and I'll drink water during that time. And then, you know, look, by the end of the day, I am usually a little edgy and agitated, but I'm ready to eat at six o'clock. And it's given me a nice, um, it's just given me a nice sort of weekly cleanse. Uh, and I, I've really enjoyed doing that. And I think that's really important. I'm I'm a little more in the in terms of the fasting, kind of the intermittent. And I know you and I listen to people like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, and we hear we hear that a lot. Basically, just try to to even get a workout in with just water, and then uh, I'll eat between say tenish and maybe eleven, twelve, and six, seven p.m. And that'll be the only times a day I'll eat. And I'll try to do that, I don't know, two or three days a week if I can. Just where, you know, you're eating normal, but you're trying to keep that window to about eight hours, eight, nine hours. That is, that's exactly what I've been feeling lately. And I feel like it's so easy to just eat and eat and eat. And I know that I understand grazing. I understand some people think, you know, you, what you eat, like breakfast, like a King and dinner, like a popper. I think it's all personal. Don't you like the more I'm into this? Like I, I honestly really enjoy getting up in the morning. Even if I'm not on that fasting day, I really enjoy not eating until noon. So I'll get a nice workout and I'll flush my body. And by noon I'm ready to eat. I feel good. I haven't been ingesting all morning, which can happen when you're at these kind of these kind of uh, facilities, right? right? You have great French toast, you have pancakes <laughs> right. and eggs, and you have smoothies, and you think you're eating well, and then you've taken in about 2,000 calories, right? So uh, it's just a really interesting thing. And back to rhythm and balance, I think being able to strike that cool cool midline is, is so important for me. Yeah, it's funny because uh, one thing, I, you and I are a little different. I don't miss a lot about the NFL. One thing I do miss is the training, the uh, the weight room, and the uh, strength and conditioning coaches, especially the assistant at that time, now the head coach over at Green Bay, Tom Labatt, put me on mm-hmm. some uh, some programs and really got my fitness going. And, you know, what I would do, you talked about the tread and the – I would go in there as soon as practice started. So that was the clear time where there was nobody in there. And I knew that if we were getting close to the end of practice, the rumble, the, cal- the cavalry was on <laughs> yeah. the way. So I'd get yeah. out of – I'd hump, hump out of there as soon as I could. But – that was my window. I'm like, okay, they're going to practice. And because early wouldn't work for me with my little kids and late wouldn't work. So I just, I'd use that practice time. It was great. Well, I, Andrew, I, what I would say also is I've been having some amazing connections with different other, other different pro athletes. And usually they're cycling related. Like I've really, mm-hmm. really hooked into the pro cycling scene. Of course, you know, 
uh, of my relationship with Lance Armstrong and we get along really well. And through him, I've met, uh, actually through, uh, George Hincappy mm-hmm. and Christian Vandeveld and, and, uh, Bobby Julek, a lot of those pro racers that are all in the Southeastern area. And then obviously Lance is out in Austin right. and in Aspen developed a really good circle. And then I'm meeting other people from around the world who have fitness as their drive. And it is really motivating to think about how we can implement a lot of that really interesting, uh, Intel, not only for myself, but, but into our athletic performance model, which is, which where we are with the league right now, if you would go back in now and compare it to where you were when you were with the pack and you were mm-hmm. training with them, you'd be amazed how open-minded a lot of these organizations yeah. are. They know that the, the, the whole element of, of not only recruiting on free agent side, it is a big thing when these players are coming in thinking that you're going to extend their careers, right? Yep. Yeah, um, longevity. Body, mind, and soul. And right. Longevity, for sure. And uh, so it's not just it's not just hokey. There, there is some cool science to it, of course, some great science to it. But if, if you're convincing some of these young guys and some of the older guys, uh, quite honestly, and some of the coaches, I think they thrive. Just like you said at the very beginning, knowing where your mind is and you're not taking away your time, you have to be fresh, you have to be sharp, and that has a lot to do with your fitness and your nutrition and, and such. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I have heard even the strength training, you know, back in the day, it was kind of the East German, Russian, hard lifting, deadlifts, and I think a lot of that has shifted to core. I mean, you you can be as strong as an ox going straight, if you're blocking a guy straight ahead of you, but you got to move, you know, you, you need core strength, you need agility, you need functional exactly. strength, so I think that's all changed as well. Well, you're exactly right, and I know you want to get on to some other stuff. But no, have you fine. watched the movie Icarus? Have I have. I'm Brian Fogel, yeah, and I, I, I uh, we've sort of back and forth. He may be on this podcast soon. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. It was a, uh, it was outrageous, and I, I was uh, just with uh, Tim Johnson, uh, another uh-huh. pro cyclist, this weekend, and he knows him well. And Tim was riding in this event, and we had this long discussion about, you know, just about that cycling and about you know where where it was with peds and cycling and how we all know it's been it was crazy forever um every once in a while you get someone who's willing to stand up to it which is is outrageous and 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 admirable beyond of course yeah and before we get to matt ryan one more thing about the fitness is that you know you mentioned lance what's just clear to me i listen to his podcast and it's amazing the level of of accomplishment that some of the people he has on who are serious serious cyclists like yourself he had the ceo of sam's club last week i think or the week before uh who you know one of the one of the top executives in the country and this guy's doing century rise he's doing leadville and he's up and down the hills of austin with Blance. and you're thinking man you know you and i just talked about this one of the most demanding jobs in the country and this guy's killing it on the bike. So there's an answer to everything we talked about. You don't have to be maniacal about your hours to achieve. And, and the, to me, the greatest strengths people have are always self-motivation, self-discipline, just trying to get better every day. And, and you mentioned Lance, just hearing the people on his pod, that's what's going on. Well, yeah, that was a really cool podcast uh, with the Sam, Sam's Club uh, CEO, and I, I really enjoyed it as well. I will say again, looking back here, 
and, and just maybe to tie this together. Yeah. I, I feel really good with our sport and where, how it's evolving. Even, you know, guys like Dan, we have, everything is revolved, uh, is revolving around competition within our building with the players, of course, but it's also happening with our, with our coaches and, and reminders of like, Hey, you know, there's no, there's no, like anyone worried about being offended if they're, if they're not in shape, like there's a reminder by everyone, like, let's go, let's keep it on. Let's set a good example. Of course, not everyone's going to look svelte 120 pounds or whatever the heck it is. Or that's, I'm not even saying that's healthy, but <laughs> I just think there's a really good, there's a really good energy that's, that's in our organizations now much more than it used to be. And I just, I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and speaking of energy in your organization, you have got your best player, your franchise quarterback, the face of your franchise under contract now another five years, I believe. And, you know, take me inside that before we get to numbers and comps and all that. Just sort of your, this was something you kind of knew you were going to do when the season ended and how much uh, went on before the draft. And I would assume it kind of focused in right after the draft. So take us inside that whatever way you can. Yeah, I think what's interesting for everyone to understand too, you know, your listeners is that, you know, we've, we've always been very mindful of trying to sign back, you know, the guys that we've invested mm-hmm. a lot in, of course, and guys that we've believed in from the very beginning, Matt was the first draft pick I was ever involved with here as a general manager in this league. Um, very proud of how he's, how he's evolved as a player and as a person and as a leader. We've talked about that in past podcasts. Mm-hmm. He's, he is, he is really uh, what we were looking for in so many ways. And, you know, we, we had talked about how we were going to approach it. We have normally not done guys, Julio included, um, until that last year, right? We're not, right. we're not big and doing it in three years or two years. Normally we've been a year out and, and it's been that way with our, our main guys. So it's sent uh, a message to even guys that are more midline players who are looking for a contract. Like, look, if Matt and Julio and a couple other guys, even Roddy White during those times, have right. done it this way, it, it, it sets a tone of consistency. And, and I think that's been good for us. And so we had gone into this whole thing with Matt thinking we were going to wait until after this season and we were going to talk about really honing in and trying to get this done. We thought about potentially getting it done before free agency just because we didn't want all the sort of the banter and all the suggestion and intuition, et cetera, et cetera, or uh, insinuation, excuse me, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think um, – as we started getting closer and closer to free agency and it, it went by and we had met with Tom Conn and we again have a very good relationship mm-hmm. with Tom in a lot of ways. So we're very communicative. We realized in the end that I think they, well, I know they were waiting to see what was going to go on with Kirk cousins, right? That was right. a big thing right. coming, coming off what Garoppolo did and what San Fran did with him, who was a fine up and coming quarterback, however, six games. Right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, as you know, Aaron, well, I mean, I saw Aaron, interestingly enough, at the uh, Super Bowl in the airport in a uh, FBO, and he, he just said to me, we don't know each other that well. He said, just get this deal done with Matt first so I can <laughs> get on with my life. Right. And I knew right then, I thought that was a good thing because that's all we needed for, for Aaron to go first and, and try to, to navigate through all this. We, we knew that wasn't going to be the case. So long after we got into free agency and we started – talking back and forth and, and discussing within the building and outside the building, i.e. with his representation that we just decided we were going to make a really strong move uh, after the draft is when we were really focused mm-hmm. on trying to put this together. And, and honestly, that's what happened. Tom, Todd France, uh, as well as J.D. Right. and Dirk, all guys you know well, right. uh, myself, Nick Polk, and Chase Fallavine sat in Arthur's uh, beautiful family office, and, and we just started hammering it out for hours upon hours, and, and it worked out very well. For both teams. 
So I don't want to get too inside football, and I know you have some limitations, some confidentiality, but when you're negotiating, you look. You just mentioned some comps. Uh, obviously, the Cousins deal sets a new standard in terms of a fully guaranteed deal, but again, it's a limited time frame. Was that ever a discussion, I would think more from their side than yours, because you want all the years, in terms of going short, a three-year fully guaranteed rather than three years guaranteed plus plus. Did the length well, you, ever become an issue? Yeah. You know, and you know this very well. You were very adept at what you did in this league and, and, and with a, with a great reputation and an intelligent reputation. I think we, we knocked around all different uh, approaches and we spent a lot of time and, and, and worked at so many different levels. We, we brought Arthur in you know, for discussion points, of course, I mean, out of respect, of course, he's, he wants us to do our job, but I've, I've always been very mindful of making sure that he was very much privy. So when we're about ready to sign a contract for 30 million and a hundred million guaranteed or whatever has been reported, um, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, I want to make sure that he's very uh, understanding of our approach to everything. So we, we, we had a lot of discussions about it, Andrew, we were, we had thought about different things. And in the end, our feeling was to do something with a five-year extension and a six-year total was what was best for us. And when you talk about, you know, doing something and, and the big numbers, I, I guess the question becomes from, you know, I'm kind of putting myself in Tom and, and Todd's shoes. They're basically saying to you, of course, of course we're going to jump the number, whatever that Garoppolo uh, cousin's number, 28 plus. Mm-hmm. But they're probably saying, hey, listen, guys, whatever you do for us, you mentioned Aaron, Aaron's going to pass us in a month, a year, whatever it is. So you probably were sort of dealing with those parameters. I mean, I, comps are always a part of these deals. And I know it's in the quarterback market, the comps are the highest of any positions. So how much of that and how much was kind of unique and endemic just, just to Matt Ryan? Well, I, you know, we're, there's no question we were using comps and, and we were back and forth. And, you know, let's face it, within the quiet confines of the room, uh, we're both going to have points and counterpoints about, you know, why, you know, Matt's deal on their side should be uh, much further away from Kirk Cousins, with all due respect to him mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And we would suggest like, OK, here are the percentages over, you know, over many years of quarterbacks and why should it be any more of this percent increase than that? And then we would get, you know, have discussions, of course, about percentages of the cap, which is, you know, you, I think I've heard you talk about, or there's been a lot of talk about that over the years. What was, what was 16 and a half percent, you know, years ago and what 16 and a half percent today is very different. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's huge. Right. And uh, so there's just a lot of really interesting dialogue. I thought, I thought it was all, you know, it was all good. It was all, you know, I thought we were very respectful. We weren't, no one was raising their voices. That's not, that wasn't the forum for this negotiation at all. And, and quite honestly, I'm not a big fan of that approach. Right. Um, I have very little patience for, a, a, you know, acrimony within negotiation. Of course, I understand when, when things go off, I understand people getting upset and, you know, folding their books and leaving. I, I, I do understand yeah. that at times, but, as far as the anger and the agitation and trying to intimidate, that's not this world. You and I know that. Maybe that was days of, of yore, but uh, it's, not, it's not today. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, this sort of percentage of cap and over the years. I am not proud of this, but I gave out 
the first $100 million contract in the NFL, and that was to Brett Favre. So 10 years, 100, 10 million average in 2001. So here we are, 2018, 30 million average. So we're probably talking a million point two-ish a year increase in terms of average for the top quarterback. And that doesn't sound like a lot, you know, for the, for the best player on the team and the best position. So I do push back at people that sort of say, well, you know, I mean, they're just going crazy. These numbers for quarterbacks. Well, they probably said that about Brett's deal when he was making 10 million. Yeah. In 2001. Right. Yes. So I also want to know if you want to, I'll, I'll let you talk. If you want to push back on this notion, which frankly I've pushed back on, that a team with a Matt Ryan, with an Aaron Rodgers, with an Andrew Luck, with a Jimmy Garoppolo can't build a championship roster around them because of the money they're paying the quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vehemently opposed to that opinion. I am 100% in. Uh, of the mindset that you can, if you're, if you're strategic with it and mm-hmm. you're, you're very creative with how you put it together, all within the confines of the rules, of course, I think we've done a really thoughtful job um, over the years. Again, Nick Polk has done a heck of a job being an advisor for me on so many levels, mm-hmm. um, you know, which has been good. Arthur's been so generous as an owner. Dan and I have a, a very communicative and, 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 and uh, very clear-cut and, and um, decisive approach to how we want to approach things together. So he's, he's very understanding as a head coach, not only to understand the here and now, which is important, but to also understand that, okay, with, by doing Matt Ryan at, at these numbers, next year is not going to be you know, easy. We're going to have to be mindful of next year, and we're going to have to be mindful of, of the players on our team who are making X amount of dollars as well. It, it all is contingent on so many different things. So I think you can truly build a really good, strong, powerful, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say star-studded, but, you know, it's all in the eyes of the mm-hmm. beholder, right? A very good, accomplished football team and still have a very high-paid quarterback uh, as we do. And uh, I feel like we are, we are well in line to do that. We're going to have to make some tough decisions. We made some tough decisions this year, and we know in years to come we will. Um, but that's up to us to make those hard decisions, right, Andrew, to, to decide, yeah. all right, this, these are the people that we must have, and some of these players are players that will, you know, go on to to, to uh, you know greener pastures and other organizations, and it will be good for them as well. Yeah, and I just think that you know it's not the twenty plus million you're paying the quarterback that can get you into cap trouble. It's all the extra stuff I talk about sometimes on the podcast with the cap proration and the reproration and the stacked proration and. You know, teams will have players that make twenty million, but they're counting thirty million because of all the stuff that's in the contract. Mm-hmm. So that's the cap management part of it. The other part of it that balances your cap, as you know so well, and you guys do a great job, is the scouting because you have half to six, fifty, sixty, seventy percent of your roster on rookie contracts because of good scouting and good drafting. Then you're golden. You can pay your top ten market rate. So scouting is such a big part of it. Oh, yeah. You know, you you know that you were around a very good group up there in Green Bay, as you mentioned before. And and I feel very strongly about who we have here and how we're approaching our scouting department and our scouting approach. No question about that. And what's really great is you combine that with 
a head coach like Dan Quinn, and I'll, I'll do my lotting now, yeah. Dan is, is so aware of all of this and so understanding about playing the, our youthful talent. That is music to a general manager, yes. of course, right? Yes. So if we've all seen coaches who are amazing coaches in this league who have a real hesitation to play the young talent, and what they do is they may bring them in, we may draft them early, use legitimate draft picks on players. They may not even think about starting them until the middle of the first season. So that's six game in. And if in six games in, they, they decide, well, maybe he's not really ready. So then we come around to the second year. In the second year, he stubs his toe, literally, right. literally, figuratively speaking. And then he's another half into the second season. Before you know it, you're staring down the barrel in the third season like, I don't know if this guy's really as good as we thought he was. When you play your players early and you get them on the field and you take some of your knocks, but you have the confidence in your coaching staff and the confidence in the youth to play in a system that is an overly uh, complicated and that you let the athletes be the athletes they are, you have a really good chance of doing what you said earlier in this conversation, and that is being smart about playing young guys who are lower contract guys while you're paying your big guys. And it's, it's cyclical, right? So uh, I think we luckily have a uh, – fortunately have a head coach who's very open to playing young guys. Yeah, that's so key. I mean, when we interviewed coaches, we were deciding, I think at that time, between Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton, two good ones. But it was very clear, you know, it's, it's, you're going to play young players. And they were all in, you know, that's the way to do it. Um, and our, I don't want to keep you too long. I know our time is limited, you know, I, and I don't want to bring this up in a negative way, but after the disappointment of two years ago, I was at the game this year in Philly and it would just, yes. I just felt for you because, uh, you know, at the end of the first half, I saw the Foles pass go right off your guys' shoulder pads that led to us into their hands, led to a score at the end of the half. And then, of course, I saw the pass uh, go through Julio's hands at the end. So, again, another sting, but uh, I'm sure that's motivating. Well, those are, no, I'm, I never have an issue talking about it yeah. because I think we can all learn from it. We learned from, you know, the Super Bowl run. And then last year, I mean, to sit there and be, you know, take, have four pops at it from the nine yard line. Yeah. with uh, what we thought is a very firepower-driven offense was, was really unfortunate, of course. Um, I get that. I told Howie Roseman, I said, Howie, when, when you guys, uh, when you had Julio out there on that last play and you guys were able to, to succeed in there, I, I just knew that you guys, it was just one of those seasons, and we've all been around them, right? Right. Where this was your season. Things were just falling into place. That's not taking anything away from them. They had a hell of a season. I'm just saying – we had times during our Super Bowl run, albeit coming up short, where you know the balls would bounce a little bit more in your favor, and right. was, again, literally and figuratively speaking, they would. And uh, man, they went and did their thing, and really happy for him and that organization. Of course, Doug did a heck of a job. Yeah, and I know Doug so well from Green Bay. <laughs> you know, he was the guy. I'll tell you, Thomas. We I tried to get a good backup quarterback every year, some veteran, and they're like, "I'm not coming there," <laughs> because. Brett never gets hurt. You know, I want to play at some point. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And then come April, I'd call Doug Peterson. Like, you want to come back? He's like, sure. We do a contract in about 30 seconds. All right, here he is again. Uh, so what a special guy. And you talk about no ego. And that, and you could see that team reflect that. So resilient, so selfless. It was so selfless. And it was, again, those are the guys you cheer for, right? And, and, yeah. and uh, that's why I really... I'm cheering for Q because Q has such a bond with our team and yeah. such an authentic bond. 
And uh, those are the guys you, you want to, you know, win many, right? That's what you want. Well, congrats so much on this Ryan deal. You've got your face of the future, face of the franchise locked up for six years now. Really uh, great to see that and the continued success of the Falcons. And I always enjoy talking to you now. Thomas, you are now a repeat offender in this podcast, so you're going to be a regular now. I'm, I'm ready. You, you just call <laughs> me whenever you need me. You got it. Thanks so much. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. If you're ready to lose weight, let Noom put psychology to work. Noom's award-winning weight loss program takes a cognitive behavioral approach, helping you form sustainable change that lasts. With Noom, no food is off limits, and there's no counting calories either. Instead, Noom gives you the ongoing guidance and support you need to form healthier habits and achieve your goals, all backed by leading evidence-based psychology and nutrition science. Start your trial at Noom.com habit. That's N-O-O-M dot habit. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack, with a chance to win up to ten times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.